0: Venus Williams is a tennis prodigy who turned pro at age 14 and went on to win honestly too many things to rattle off here, but four Olympic gold medals and seven Grand Slam singles titles. And she accomplished all of this while breaking through many, many barriers in the sport. From Business Insider, I'm Allison Chantel, and this is Success How I Did It. I asked Venus a lot of questions about her rise to superstardom and the hardships and successes she's faced along the way. We met in Manhattan at The Wing, which is a co working space for women, where Venus was giving a talk about entrepreneurship. She actually has two businesses herself. Here's Venus Williams on how she trained from age four to become the best tennis player in the world and how she actually achieved it. So, Venus. You started playing tennis really young. I think your dad had you on the court when you were four and a half years old. Yes. And from what I understand, he sat and watched the French Open, realized tennis stars can make a lot of money and devised this 78 page plan for you to dominate the world of tennis.
1: I wrote a plan for Venus. I wrote a plan for Serena on what I wish to do, how it would be done and how I would carry it out.
0: I know you've said that you know, before it was your dream, it was your dad's dream. At what point did that shift? When did you realize this is something I really want to do?
1: I think pretty early on. I think early on it's got to be definitely a part of your dream because it's a ton of work. It's a ton of dedication. It's a ton of focus. It's, it's intense learning a sport, especially a sport like tennis where it's so technical and it's so like minute details. So I think the dream definitely became mine early on. Your dad didn't play tennis, right? So neither of your parents did? How did he know how to train you both into superstars? Well, they didn't play professionally, but they actually did play the sport. And I think that they were both athletes at heart. And I most certainly believe that when you're an athlete, that really translates to all sports you just understand it your body understands it and your mind understands it and you just it just clicks and i found that happening when i play other sports uh, and i've seen it like when i've hit the ball with other professional athletes and you can see that they're learning so quickly it's just something that's in their their whole their blood so i think it was in my parents blood and they understood
0: so how did you train when you were first getting going i mean how many hours would you say you put in on the court when you were growing up in like grade school years?
1: Uh, Definitely a lot, three or four hours a day, sometimes more. I I can't remember exactly. Uh, I do remember the lights would go out and we'd be kind (laughs) of happy,
0: be dark. (laughs) But from an early age too, it seems like you were always in the media. Um, Your dad got the local press involved. And I know Serena has said like, she doesn't remember really a moment when there weren't interviews going on. So how did being in the spotlight at such a young age shape your career and your passion for it?
1: I think in a lot of ways it's super helpful because you're on the radar and it it helps you to find sponsors, find support, and a lot of people want to help you. That was helpful, but I think also at the same time it creates a lot of pressure, so you have to know how to deal with that, so it's either you make it or you don't. And sometimes it might be a little easier to be under the radar because there's no pressure, Um, but thankfully you know, we were able to handle it. But I think it's like maybe one of a hundred who could I don't, I don't know the formula of being able to handle that pressure. You know, we're
0: sitting here at the wing right now and someone asked you, did your parents have the winning formula for helping you and your sister become stars? And like, isn't that a little bit risky? And you were like, yeah, I guess it could have been risky. Do you think it was?
1: It was definitely risky. You put your time and your heart into it, but sport teaches you so much and you can translate that to other parts of life but it's definitely a lot of dedication not just for myself or your the children but um, the parents the family finances the money that you, know, you could be putting towards retirement and using to buy tennis shoes and string rackets and tennis lessons uh, so if you don't make it then you may never retire <laughs> so its it's definitely a lot of risk
0: so you always wanted to be pro it sounds like i've seen interviews with you from when you were really young saying mm-hmm. like i'm dreaming of this but when did you realize that you were actually good enough to do it
1: Definitely really early on because I was beating adults (laughs) handily, mercilessly, and that was a great feeling, but uh, I think pretty early on, you can't really hide whether you're good or not, so that was just, I guess, apparent. And when you were 10 years
0: old, your family moved from Compton to Florida so that you could be in this tennis academy. Do you think that was a life-changing move?
1: What would have happened if we stayed in California? I don't know. We'll never know. So I guess it was life-changing.
0: Well, I guess it worked because at 14, you went pro. Um, Do you remember your first pro game, what it felt like? Uh, How how could I forget? From all over the planet, they have come to get a look at Venus. Her tennis talent was renowned to be otherworldly.
1: I was definitely nervous. No one wants to lose the first match. I remember all my nerves dissipating after the five-minute warm-up, which is a miracle. The 14-year-old straight-set victory lasted an hour and 22 minutes. And I have no idea how I won that match because I had no game plan and no strategy, nothing. But maybe the woman I played against was more nervous than I could have ever been. Who knows? It's not. It's hard to, you know, go up against a 14-year-old wild card with a lot of hype. That couldn't have been fun. She probably was just dreading it when she saw the draw. <laughs> but um thankfully I was able to win that first match, not the second, but the first one's always nice.
0: First one counts. Yeah, counts a lot.
1: The first one counts.
0: And so at fifteen, I think, was you scored a huge endorsement deal with Reebok. It's like about twelve million dollars. Which for a fifteen year old, how did you figure out oh my God this is a lot of money. Like, How did you figure out how, what to do with your new fortune and like how to stay focused? That seems like it could be really distracting.
1: Well, I recall shopping at uh, Wet Seal. <laughs> I was a regular kid, to be honest, who just wanted to, I think at the time when like, Clueless was out, <laughs> kind of wearing those dresses and just being a kid, I didn't really spend any money at all. Think my biggest purchase was like an SUV and that was it. SUV
0: is pretty good, but you know you had to be very mature from a very young age. Did that come easily to you? You seem like very mild-tempered. It seems like it would.
1: I think definitely sport matures you if you let it. <laughs> it definitely makes you grow up because you have to work so hard that if you cannot, then you probably aren't going to have the mental capacity to, to handle it all. So I think that probably played a role in, in growing up a little faster than maybe other people. You know, you
0: came into the sport that was traditionally very white, affluent, not easy to break into, not always the most accepting. Um, you came in with a lot of style. You had beads in your hair. I remember there was one game where you actually were robbed, I think, of a point because one of the beads fell out while you were playing. Um, so you, from a young age, had to deal with things that you really shouldn't have and nobody should from a racism standpoint in this sport. How? Has that shaped you as a player, and how did you learn that this wasn't going to be fair, maybe?
1: At the end of the day, you just have to focus on winning, and no one can take a win away from you. That's what I focus on. Life is not fair, so I don't go out there expecting it to be. I don't think any of us should go out there expecting life to be fair. I think that's expecting too much, and so I remind myself of that sometimes, and then you can get on with your with your life after that. That one game was so, it must have been so frustrating. There have been many frustrating games. <laughs> I don't think there's going to be another one that isn't frustrating. That happens, but that sport, or else why would there be so much glory and victory? Well, you've changed the game a
0: lot, and one thing that I know everybody brings up, but it's powerful, is that you stood up for uh, equal compensation, really, for tennis players, female or male. Did you realize that you were going to kind of start this movement when you were in your 20s to go through that, and, and how did you bring about the change?
1: Nope. Zero, zip, zero idea. Zero plan to be a part of it. None of that. In a lot of ways, I was credited for equal prize money, but really it was a team of people who worked super hard from the WTA and we had amazing leadership who really, really fought for it. So it was definitely a collective and I just happened to be somehow in the front. I still don't know how that happened. Um, And here we are today. I'm so happy it happened. It was a collective effort.
0: One thing I wanted to ask you about, and I know it's hard, um, but I think it's important because tough moments shape our careers a lot. You had a sister who passed away, who died. My
1: sister Yatunde Price was shot to death in 2003.
0: When you were 23 and she was your personal assistant, how did you um, cope and not just become so overwhelmed with grief because
1: tennis is a really mental sport, and it's a tragedy. It's amazing when tragedy strikes how strong you find that you are, and I'd seen other people go through horrible things, and I just thought, wow, I would be a complete mess, and then you realize you have more strength than you knew, and it helps you to get through. And Thankfully, we had family that we could help each other, and we could you know, sometimes you know, make each other laugh, and to this day, we still help each other through it. Do you have any advice for being resilient? Resilient. (laughs) I think everyone deals with things in their own way. Everybody's different. Um, My my family were all different. None of us are the same. We all deal with things in different ways. I think it's about knowing yourself, what pushes your buttons, and figuring out how to work with yourself. Can we talk about your sister a little bit because you all are super close? Yeah. What a (laughs) point!
0: Serena Williams. She's called herself your copycat. Um, she loves you fiercely, and you love her fiercely. I have a sister I totally understand. She said "You know, she wants to be just like you, and she wants to have all the things that you have, um, and you're both so accomplished. Has it ever been tough to share a dream with a sibling that you're so close with?
1: No, no, definitely not. I can't imagine not her not being there. She was always there. I was always there for her. So I think for either of us, the experience wouldn't, Wouldn't be anywhere near the same. And I know that everyone else on tour does it by themselves, so I realize that it's possible to do so, but in our case, it's just not how it happened.
0: It must be tough playing against each other. I remember seeing an interview with you when you were younger, and the interviewer asked you, what's the toughest match you've ever had? And you were like, my sister. And he asked you why, and you just said, it's horrible. Um, You've now played each other a bunch of times. Has it gotten easier? Like, Does the rivalry stay on the court? How do you...
1: Obviously, she's a tough opponent, so when you walk out there, you're thinking about how you can win the match and what openings you may have, and usually there's hardly any. And and I don't know. That's what I think about before I walk out on the court. Um, How can I win this match? (laughs) Um, Where many others have failed, how will I succeed? And when you walk off the court, then you've walked off the court. At the end of the day, that's all I can control is my performance. And you know be happy for my sisters in, in the case that she wins which is pretty often and
0: you went on to win your first grand slam at age 20 i believe which mm-hmm. is um, incredible uh, first of all, what is it like to win something like that because most of us will never ever have even a slight taste of that and then also like that's your lifelong dream and you accomplish it at 20 Like, what do you do after
1: Win some more. <laughs> winning once is never anyone's dream. We all want to keep winning no matter what it is or if we retire. We all still are striving towards something probably most of us are. Uh, of course, it was a great feeling and uh, I was so determined. I don't think anyone was more determined that year in, in the draw. And I, I wish I could feel that way every single time. But, you know, there's always a new formula to winning. So 2011 was another bit of a
0: tough year. You realized you had something called Sjogren's syndrome. Um, And for anyone who doesn't know, it's an autoimmune disease that can cause joint pain and chronic fatigue. So how did you realize that you had this? And how did you cope with the diagnosis? Were you afraid you might not be
1: able to keep playing? No, I wasn't afraid of not being able to play. (laughs) I knew I had to come back. And I think at moments like that, you don't have time to be afraid. I think things like that don't even hit you right away. You you know, I think you go through at least a year or two of denial. Like, are you sure? Take the test again. Guys are crazy. (laughs) That sort of thing. And it was definitely a long road. And there's no one there to tell you how to do it. So in my case, I've, I've had to figure a lot of that out on my own. But there's a lot of pride in that, too.
0: So I mean you had a pretty it sounds like a swift recovery because you came back in one doubles I think a, what was it a grand slam like within a year later
1: Yeah, you're right. It was um <laughs> I had a great partner. <laughs> Two sisters once again on another planet. That well, helped. You a had lot. to pull your weight. That helped. I I tried to pull my weight.
0: <laughs> How did you um how did you get your mindset right how did you start recovering and you also turned vegan from that right so you changed your diet a bit
1: yeah i tried to be vegan as well so i don't always succeed cheegan yes <laughs> a cheating <laughs> uh, vegan exactly there's a cheese plate right next to us isn't there? <laughs> in any case i came back as soon as i could because the olympics were coming and that it's like a, a huge motivation for me to, to try to figure out how to get back on the court and i just love the olympics so that was it was every, it meant everything to me to be there that year, I mean it sounds so easy when you say it that way. I was just motivated, and I got uh, better <laughs> yeah, it wasn't really not easy at all. I was sure closer to impossible to be <laughs> honest, but yeah, um the best part is I knew how to play tennis and I knew how to win matches that helped a lot, and then you faked the rest and um I definitely wasn't on the top of my game, but i I managed to qualify
0: so. What are your days like now? Like, how do you train? Like, when you're not in season, you still are training a tremendous amount. I know you said you skipped this morning, um, but most days, what do you what do most you do? Most days,
1: yeah. Today I couldn't unfortunately go on the court. In some ways, that's that's nice, but in other words, you're like I'm falling behind. But more than anything, I'm just training as hard as possible on the court, hitting tons of forehands, tons of backhands. Um, one for a hen too many, maybe. And going to the gym and running and running and running. And there's no better feeling than paying that price. And when you're all done, you just feel the most ultimate satisfaction. A lot of people say, oh, I get this high from working out. I've never felt that. Maybe because I've worked out for so long. It's just a norm for me. It's a push. It's super, super hard. I don't feel euphoria. But at the end, when it's all done, I feel euphoric. I'm like, yes, the work was done. You just feel... You just
0: feel like a glowing feeling inside. So you do like hours a day multiple times a week?
1: Oh, yeah. That's my job.
0: Yeah. 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 I
1: have to get up and go to work, too. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Um, like six hours
1: a day? On the court? God, no. When I was younger. But um, I spend like two two to three hours on the court and then another two in the gym. Yeah, That's a lot. That's enough. <laughs> That's more than I do in a I week. I think more people, more play, tennis players spend more time on the court than I do, but
0: you have a lot going on besides tennis as well. You've had a startup for 10 years, which I guess is that's maybe it's not a startup anymore, but that's impressive. Most businesses die in the first year. So congratulations. Oh, thank you. (laughs) And so you you don't just have one, you have 11, um, which is an athletic apparel line. And then you also have V-Star interiors, um, which is interior design. So it sounds like you've also always been interested in business. I think I read that your dad used to play business-related cassette tapes on the way to practice. Yeah. So it's always been a passion of yours.
1: It most definitely always been a passion, and always been one of my um, goals in life as a young person is to have my own business. And my dad gave us this entrepreneurial mindset, so that was also ingrained as well as as the tennis. So in a lot of ways, it's a part of I think making my parents proud. I think we all want to make our parents proud. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, absolutely. What have you learned in starting these businesses? It can't have been easy. What haven't I learned? Um, <laughs> Uh, I've learned about employee relations. I've learned about um, following your instinct. I think one of the biggest mistakes you can follow is not, not following your instincts. You know, a lot of times your instinct will tell you what to do if you have a good one now. If your instincts are terrible, then you like ask for advice. But if you have good instincts, you definitely have to follow them or else you regret them.
0: And on your fashion line, are you actually, you're doing the sketches yourself sometimes, Yeah, right? m- yeah. the
1: majority, yes. That's great. Yeah.
0: Wow, so you're artistic as well.
1: I try try.
0: So how are you juggling everything? That's a lot running multiple businesses and then also training and you were just in the U.S. Open not too long ago so.
1: Yeah I think it's the same as tennis you have to have the love that helps or else it's just too much pressure to be able to keep up with and also you have to have the team. At 11 we we do everything so from the initial design to manufacturing the product to distribution we do everything here actually in the United States. And um, our distribution center, so our warehouses are in the front, distribution in the back. We make many things in California, ship them to Florida, ship them out to our customers. We run our own online business as well. So anything you can, every department is is in house. So that's great. And we we made that move a few years ago and we haven't looked back since. So every time we're like, this isn't working, like let's take control of it ourselves. So it's awesome to be in control of all of that. So how do you manage the stress in your life? Well, I think there's more stressful periods than others. When you're launching new things or going into a new business, or there's many things that can stress you out. Um, having to let people go, that's stressful as well, never fun. Uh, but for the most part, um, I try to manage a schedule that's achievable and try not to make a schedule that's not. And a lot of times, sometimes it becomes a little unmanageable, but in in spurts. So I think being able to, to make an achievable schedule, one that I know I can accomplish.
0: What advice do you have for someone who has a childhood dream and wants to follow it and wants to be just wildly successful like you are?
1: Always believe in yourself and you know, champions adjust. It's a line I learned from Billie Jean King and sometimes your dream adjusts, be well, willing to adjust with it and see where your opportunities. Sometimes a door closes, but a window opens. So just follow your dreams and And continue, you never know where it's going to take you.
0: Yeah, and I thought you had some good advice too that was, you know, sometimes if you even if you feel like you don't deserve what you've gotten, like ask yourself why.
1: Yeah, I mean, most of us have grown up, you know, I think there's very few people who have grown up in a home that was like super normal, you know, you grow up in – We all have dispositions because maybe you didn't have a mom or you didn't have a dad. Maybe your mom died earlier. Maybe mom and dad argued or they got a divorce or who knows. You have issues that maybe have started younger or maybe you have your own issues because you have them. Whatever it is, people have issues and that affects you deeply. So you have to get to the bottom of it and not let that affect your life decisions and really understand why you're making the decisions you make so that way you can understand how to not do that. So I always encourage people to ask why and then to really understand you. That's the only way to to be your most successful and your most happy. Well, thank you so much for the time, Venus. Thank you. Thank you.
0: During the interview with Venus, there was one question that she and her team really were not comfortable talking about. Over the summer, Venus was involved in a tragic car accident where one person died. And although she was cleared of any wrongdoing, it was a traumatic event. And it was highly publicized and, of course, painful to go through. But when I tried to ask her about it, her team quickly shut down the question. Here's the amazing thing about Venus and the whole reason why I asked. Within three months of that incident, Venus was back on the court, crushing it in the U.S. Open, and she nearly made the finals. That's an incredible show of resilience, and it's a critical trait if you want to be anywhere near as successful as Venus Williams has been. That's all for this week's show. If you like success, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite app. And leave us a review while you're there, because it really helps others find the show. I'm Alison Chantel and join us for more success next week.